Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of pots of flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to answer some of your gardening queries. Later on, I'll be joined by Adrian Bloom, a gardening great, to talk about his winter garden, Foggy Bottom. This week, I'll be discussing everything from aubergines to aconites. And our thanks to this week's sponsor, Thompson and Morgan. When there's a frost and heavy snow up in Scotland, it always causes me concern because most of our seed potatoes, of course, come down from there and if the weather goes really cold, they can't easily be moved. I happen to remember the winter of 62-63 when we didn't see the soil for best part of 12 weeks and I tell you, that was a bit of a game trying to get potatoes moved at that time. There's um, several things that you really need to uh, remember when you're buying potatoes. I think most of us are limited with space and growing them in pots is uh, quite a sensible thing to do as long as you grow an early variety like Swift or Rocket. And in a 10 or 15 litre pot you can get a sizable harvest of really lovely fresh potatoes. We've been working with schools for, I don't know, six or seven years now. 16,000 primary schools all growing potatoes in pots to see who can grow the most and see who can grow the heaviest. And so uh, if you happen to have a child at school or you're something to do with a school, be sure to register. It closes on the 28th of January and you can get free potatoes and the pots to grow them in on the... GYOP Grow Your Own Potato website. I've got a letter too before this program finishes about potatoes. Uh, we can't forget uh, our post bag. But how about the garden? I was really quite pleased because when I walked out underneath the beech hedge, I saw the first signs of spring the yellow petals on aconite just showing. You know, it's a very pretty little thing. Last year, with the uh, quite long, drawn-out, but fairly mild winter, they were showing colour for weeks. You have that little tiny yellow flower and around it a green rough of bracts. They can be a little bit difficult to get established because the tuber is quite small and when they're lifted and sold in the garden centre, they can get quite dry. It's quite a good idea to actually lift a clump with a clod of soil. That's how I got mine. Uh, my late brother-in-law was doing a garage and he had to strip up a, a stretch of land and there was quite a lot of aconites and he brought a couple of clods. And so I remember him each time they flower in the spring. And I would recommend if you've got a hedge bottom or somewhere that's a bit dry, it needs to be deciduous plants. Uh, they'll settle in very well. I'm still cutting radicchio. It's um, a kind of chicory. It's really hardy. I sowed it in July, three kinds, a green-leaved one, a red-leaved one, and green-flecked red. 
and really it provides a very good salad and it's taken some really sharp frosts the last week or two. We're still eating Brussels sprouts. You may remember a week or two ago I was speaking about Chaz of Chaz and Dave. He had four really fine plants of Brussels sprouts. And if you grow the F1 varieties, I'm thinking of things like Trafalgar, one stem can really produce a tremendous crop. I mean, I think there were seven of us sitting down for Christmas lunch and one stem provided more than enough sprouts for all of us. But don't forget, you can also eat the tops. If you break the top out, it's like a sort of open cabbage. It makes a very nice spring green and you can cook and eat that. If you've got pigeons about, once you've broken the top out, they're much less likely to descend on your crops. And also, breaking that tip out puts all the energy into the uh, remaining sprouts on the stem and helps them to grow and develop. Now, what about grafted tomatoes? You'll see them in the shops. You'll certainly see them in the catalogues. They're a fairly recent uh, innovation as far as gardeners are concerned, and they cost quite a bit more than ordinary seed-raised plants. So are they worth it? Well, in my view, without question. First, if you're growing in a greenhouse in the soil and you're growing tomatoes there year after year, having a grafted plant means that it is quite disease resistant and you won't need to change the soil quite so often. Out in the garden, they grow very strongly and in my experience, they seem to have shown a bit of a blight resistance with that extra strength. But you'll get at least 50% more crop from a grafted plant. But the uh, nursery people are playing all sorts of games. There's the uh, Tom Tato. Uh, Morrisons were selling that, I think, as the ketchup and chips plant last spring. Uh, And there it's an ordinary edible kind of tomato grafted on top of a potato. And so you get two crops for one. And this year, for the first time, Sutton's have got one plant which has both tomatoes and aubergines on, grafted again. doesn't have potatoes on the roots yet, but at least if you're limited with space and you want some aubergines and you want some tomatoes, then you can grow the two in one pot. I'm joined now by the great plantsman Adrian Bloom. Adrian, how are things up there in Deepest Norfolk? Well, um, we're on a day when there's a forecast for you know, pretty cold, wintry weather coming and uh, rain, possibly even snow, which, of course, um, is given a, a very high sort of danger rating. Um, and it does take you back a little bit to sort of uh, the past and when we used to get a lot of cold winters. Now, yeah. of course, to see snow is quite unusual. It, it is. But you're going to uh, open your garden, Foggy Bottom, uh, to the public shortly. Is that right? Yes, yes. It, it's uh, Foggy Bottom and also a winter garden. And uh, the winter garden was built much later than Foggy Bottom. Foggy Bottom was started back in 1967, so coming up for 50 years old now, if you like. Goodness, and, uh, is, is that 50 years since yeah. you started planting heathers and conifers <laughs> around the house? Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. I'm embarking on a book that'll take a while, but of course I'm looking through a lot of old slides and so on, and um, you know, it takes me back a bit, but uh, when you look at the garden today, of course, it's um, pretty mature, and uh, the idea was always to have uh, year-round and, and winter interest uh, colour, 
and not just from heathers, of course, and conifers, but in more recent years from grasses and and bulbs and uh, trees and shrubs and so on. And um, yeah, it's a wonderful display. And uh, we used to open it occasionally in winter. I remember Stefan Bachatsky coming with BBC Gardener's World. And um, then we decided, well, we'll open in March. And we had about 3,000 people turn up. This was in 93. And, of course, they trampled all over the garden. It was left like a mud bath. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. So uh, good in one way, but um, that's why we have to have a few sort of uh, rules and regulations. Basically, um, we open uh, the winter garden, which is much nearer the entrance and the garden center, uh, from the 16th of February until the end of March. And uh, that is more uh, easily, you know, used uh, by the public because they're harder pathways. But we have grass and we're fairly low-lying, which, you know, Foggy Bottom might give you that feeling. So we do have to, if it's snow or a lot of rain and we get underwater or something, obviously we have to ask people to phone ahead. But nonetheless, on a wonderful early spring, late winter day, you know, there's nothing more fantastic and more inspiring to some extent is to see just the beginning of spring. I should think looking down from your house, if it's a bit of a frosty morning, it must look absolutely stunning. Yeah, it is absolutely magical. I mean, I I think um, a winter garden... Uh, and of course a lot of people most people have a very small garden but I'm sure they could do something with it to have that winter interest but it is the low winter light uh, that really sort of sparkles and makes things come to life and you really are aware in the sort of minimalist season I suppose when you don't have to rush out there and do all the weeding and planting and that sort of thing in fact you often can't but if you get a a wonderful hoar frost and uh, it gets on the grasses and the trees and the twigs and then the sun comes up uh, it's uh, absolutely dazzling, yeah. and um, those are the moments to treasure because you're doing nothing, but you're sitting there just uh, in mm. awe of the magic of nature. Yeah, but don't you think, uh, Adrian, we whipped past that heather and uh, slow-growing conifer era a bit too quick? I, you know, I, I had one small heather bed in my own garden. I didn't touch it for 10 or 12 years. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's just low maintenance, Yeah, beautiful colours for weeks. No, I agree, uh, Peter, I really do. And um, obviously, uh, I very much uh, think things do change. And uh, maybe at that time, because we were really experimenting with them, and that's partly what this garden was about, we had about four or 500 different conifers, and we had about 50 or 60 different heathers. So it was a a way of uh, seeing which were the best varieties. But it was really a stunning scene. And they did last, as you say, for many, many years until the trees grew up and then became shady areas and that sort of thing, and we gradually changed. But we've still got some of those original heathers left, and they still excite the early bees, and um, yeah. even saw some bees the other day on a few early ones. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're right. I mean, people do say, well, they think conifers are going to come back, and they think heathers might come back. Well, I don't think, you know, these, these sort of... Um, big uh, phases, if you like, um, or fashions, don't swing back to the same way because there's much uh, more other material in gardens and places change. But I think there is a room for another look at um, at the heathers in particular, and certainly some of the conifers, which many people won't be aware, turn color uh, from green in the summer to bright gold in the winter and uh, just yeah. when you need cheering. I've just planted, actually, a small front garden which is about 12 foot by 10 with a number of low-growing junipers, 
uh, and I mean the colour on them is amazing now, bright, yeah. bright yellow. Yeah, yeah. True. If you were going to pick two or three heathers, what would you go for it these days? I mean, Merton Ruby is that still? Worth I think it's still as good as it ever was, um, and I think Ericacania Springwood White. Well, that's is, a that's a good old timer, isn't that's it? That's a good old time. In 1926, I think that was introduced, and Do, um, and doesn't it spread and cover the ground? Yes, excellent, and well, you can trim it, of course, but. It does make a good ground cover, and um, then you've got that wonderful show in the spring, and uh, I suppose Pink Spangles is similar to that, but Pink... There's a few uh, more recent varieties have been introduced. Uh, Kramer's Red is pretty good. That's a sort of hybrid and gets a bit taller, but very dark foliage and very dark flowers, and that flowers from... Well, I I can look out of the window now and see the early flowers on that, and they're going to last another two or three months. I'd forgotten about that. I mean, that Kramer's Red is, that was, when that came in, that was a great improvement. It's quite large flowered, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Whether this is the right time or not to, to mention, but just to mention that I, I've done um, a video which is um, on our website of the Winter Garden and uh, eight minutes, I think, in total, just walking through the Winter Garden part and then down to Foggy Bottom. So um, if uh, people have... Um, the wish to to get an idea of what a garden can look like on a sort of sunny day in uh, February and March, um, that that's one way they could do it without uh, being able to see something that's not live. Well, Adrian, if people can't actually make the journey this spring to see the garden for themselves, what a perfect opportunity. How would you get access to that video? If uh, it's possible, if they could look on um, the website, that's... Um, the Bressingham, uh, must put T-H-E, the Bressingham Gardens dot com, uh, S on the gardens, the Bressingham Gardens dot com, and uh, that will come up with uh, various things that are on there, including the gardens, including the video. That video would be pretty good introduction. Also, the details of the the garden openings um, are on there too. So um, that that would be the source where people could, uh, you know, enjoy looking at it, and if they were able to come up uh, to Bressingham, uh, then... Um, then well, they'll see the great man, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am, I'm, I am about <laughs> most, most of the time, yeah. When I open the post, I'm always, always looking for letters that have a bit of humour to them. Uh, and, and I wonder about this one from Mrs Oldham. She comes from the south-east. Dear Mr Seabrook, I've just bought two pounds of home guard seed potatoes but the person in the shop didn't know anything about them, and neither do I. Have you noticed that? People in shops can't help you anymore these days. Therefore, could you please advise me, are they old or new potatoes? When do I plant them? Do I have to wait for them to sprout first? Do I plant them deeply and singly? When will they be ready to lift? Will I have to protect them from the frost? And will I have them every year, or will I have to buy more next year? Uh, she won't if she eats them. Also, what varieties do you recommend for flavour? I would add that the soil is absolutely pampered as my husband used to grow show chrysanthemums and won many prizes. At the moment, I have the potatoes on a sheet of newspaper in a vegetable basket in the kitchen cupboard. If somebody peeled them and ate them, then that would save me a lot of questions to answer, wouldn't it? <laughs> you can subscribe to our newsletter at sungardening.co.uk. And you can also subscribe to this podcast by pressing the subscribe button on iTunes. Our thanks again to our sponsor for this week's podcast, Thompson and Morgan, and to Tony Bremner for our delightful theme tune, Potentilla, 
from the Tall Poppies album. All the best in your garden. We'll be back on Thursday. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.